This podcast was produced in Melbourne on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land. From RMIT, I'm Charlotte Huston, and this is The Kicker, a weekly podcast bringing you stories from Australia's newest journalists. Today, we are going to explore the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on young people in Australia, whether it be social, economic, mental or political changes, the long-term effects of COVID are complex and yet to be fully understood. Joining me is RMIT reporter Joe Misuraka, who spoke with four young people from different states or territories in Australia about their personal experiences over the past 18 months. Young people and the pandemic. Hospitalised in intensive care. It is sparking fears our kids have been left dangerously unprotected with older Aussies still the priority for vaccination. And younger people, while they may suffer the least effects of this virus, participate in... After more than a year without a locally acquired COVID case, Canberrans are waking up this morning to a seven-day snap lockdown. Keeping in mind, you spoke with people from Melbourne, Canberra and Perth. What were these people doing in March 2020? Can you set the scene of where they envisioned themselves for the future before COVID-19? Sam's 18 years old and he was in South Korea at the time. Uh, He now relocated to Canberra in the past nine months and is doing a Bachelor of Commerce at ANU. Abigail, she was just coming back from Wales uh, when the pandemic hit and she is working full-time, she's 25. And so we've got here a worker and we've got here a student and a little bit of an age bracket. Can you actually remind us in total what age range are we looking at? Between 18 and 25. Okay, so it's looking like it's shaping up that we've got people from different experiences. Someone wants to exert their freedom, go traveling. Another person wants to study and learn. We know COVID is synonymous with uncertainty. So can you share how these people you spoke with manage the unexpected stresses brought on by a once in a lifetime pandemic and already being part of that uh, age range that brings so much instability? Rory and Nicole over in Perth had a, a very interesting approach. Rory started a bridging course to get into Curtin University to undertake a Bachelor of Psychology. So like when it went into like online classes, I just started to lose focus and I just like didn't feel like uh, I was really learning anything or I was able to just like concentrate and like what I was doing. So I just decided to drop out. And Nicole was wanting to take a gap year. She just finished HSC and she was working casually. Uh, when the pandemic hit, she was losing shifts. It's it's brung a lot of financial stress to me because I pay for most of my expenses, like a car, and I pay for everything that's doing, like to be done with the car, the red Joe, as well as paying for all of any appointments I need to go to. Um, and having the uncertainty of is my shift going to be cancelled in the next coming weeks? Like, am I going to miss out on shifts? It brings a lot of anxiety with it. As someone who I was in Perth last year and I fortunately didn't have to do online learning, but it definitely does not help with engagement. And um, having that unstable work schedule is just really stressful. So it creates a lot of distress. And 
I'm really interested to hear if that was translated to maybe their political feelings to federal and state governments. Was there a general consensus of their feelings 18 months on? Do they feel like young people were looked out for? There was a general consensus. Overall, they didn't feel like the government was looking out for them. Rory and Nicole are both strong Labor supporters. They're really supportive of Mark McGowan over NWA and they're very disappointed in the coalition. Uh, Scott Morrison just really hasn't, like, especially with like the vaccine rollout, he really just has not done well. So it's like, there's definitely like a lot of, uh, I'm definitely like not happy with that. So I'm like more of a left wing person. So like, I wasn't really a big fan of Scott Morrison anyway. So it still hasn't really changed, but I'm just like not as pleased with how the federal government's really handled COVID. And then Sam up in Canberra, he is pretty angry at the current situation, but it's not like uh, my political view has changed. It's because it's not like I'm going to vote differently because it's not like I was originally a fan of government anyways. I know that a lot of people, a lot of my friends that weren't even political in the first place, and they're quite angry at the current situation and uh, how they feel like <clears throat> vaccines should have been brought in earlier and that restrictions should have been uh, introduced way earlier when the Delta variant was uh, apparently in Australia. So they're really angry and they're apparently going to vote the government out. Although there's a lot of negative feelings there, I do think it's quite invigorating to see young people really getting engaged with politics now at both a state and a federal level. I'm really intrigued. These people were living in contrasting backgrounds, Perth, Melbourne, Canberra. But was there a shared experience? Was there a sentiment that shone through among all of them? There certainly was. They all, except for Abigail, felt like they were missing out on a rite of passage. My plan was to work for half of the year and then go on a world trip, but I can't do that now because we can't go overseas. Joe, can you just remind us how old you are, if you don't mind? I'm 31. Okay, so you've had the benefit of having your 20s in pretty much unlimited freedom. Did you have the luxury of campus learning and a European holiday? What was that like? Yeah, I was very fortunate. You know, I my undergrad was all on campus and it was a really amazing experience. It was just a great way to escape. And I was fortunate enough to go on a Kentucky tour of Europe uh, back in 2012. And I doubt that industry is operating at the moment. If, if it is, it probably isn't doing too well. So with this strict and unpredictable COVID world that we find ourselves in, yes, we talk about the loss of those European holidays and the online learning and the unstable employment, but is it fair for older generations to accuse younger generations of lacking resilience? This question that I asked the interviewees, uh, it really rubbed them up the wrong way. Sam uh, was really angry. He just thinks that the older generations need to be more understanding and they have to remember that younger generations have uh, been born into a world where there are creature comforts and that this is the first time something of this magnitude has happened. 
uh, for my uh, family, my grandparents went through quite a lot in that, you know, they were born early 40s, went through occupations of other countries, they went through a war, they went through poverty, military dictatorships. So their quality of life in their youth and their younger ages is completely different to uh, what I'm having. What about Abigail? She's a little bit older. Was her perspective any different? Her perspective was different and it's probably because she's had a bit more experiences as someone who is a little older and a little wiser. Two years out of the life of someone who's 20 years old is seems like such a larger portion than two years out of the life of someone who's 60 years old. Now, we've all got family, whether interstate or internationally. How did these people cope being separated from them for so long? Abigail had a really hard time because most of her family are in Wales. Grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins, everyone. And I've got a big friendship group there as well. And I've been living here for... 17 years now and so I'm used to living away from my family that's fine but one of the coping mechanisms you you sort of build up these coping mechanisms on how to deal with not being able to see them and one of them I always used was well you know what if I need to go back all I all I have to do is jump on an airplane and I'm there in 24 hours and that sense of comfort was obviously stripped away from me um and, and that's been really, really difficult to deal with. And, and to make things quite worse, my grandmother passed away last year in the thick of our uh, biggest lockdown. And um, she had cancer, she had ovarian cancer. So we knew she wasn't well, but her death was, was very sudden. We didn't know it was gonna happen that quickly. We thought we had a few more years left with her. And obviously that was difficult. I couldn't, I, well, I still haven't gone there. So I didn't get to say goodbye to her before she passed away. I haven't had the chance to grieve with my grandfather, with any of my cousins or aunties and uncles, and I still haven't seen her grave. So that is something that I've had to, you know, really cope with and try to overcome while I'm here. And something that I can, you know, hopefully set a goal towards in the next in the next year or so that that's something I can look forward to. I, eventually I'll be able to be back with my family and, and see my grandmother's grave and properly grieve for her. Nicole lost a family member over in the Eastern States and she just couldn't get a flight because of lockdowns. And she said that... Long story short, funerals over over like live streams and that really affects the, the process of dealing with that. It mm-hmm. is quite odd. And I, I definitely would have rather um, have the opportunity to have gone over there and um, seeing that side of my family. Yeah, my heart breaks hearing that about Nicole and obviously also for Abigail. Uh, God, I, I'm fortunate that I've never had to go through the experience of a Zoom funeral. And uh, once again, my heart goes out for anyone who's felt that. And it reminds us that at the end of the day, this is a very abnormal situation for people to find themselves in, especially young people who already have so much on their plate. But hopefully we're getting a bit closer to normalcy and to be reunited with our loved ones soon. Uh, So thank you, Joe, for sharing this with us. And thank you to Nicole, Rory, Abigail and Sam. It was all very much appreciated. You're very welcome, Charlie.
been listening to The Kicker, brought to you by the RMIT Graduate Diploma in Journalism. For more in-depth stories, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Next time. The passing of the same-sex marriage bill in 2017 was a huge moment for Australia's LGBTQ community. But how much has really changed since then? Next episode, we take a deep dive into Australian classrooms to discuss a topic that makes every teenager squirm, sex education. <laughs>